0: Google is incorporating Core Web Vitals into its ranking algorithm. That means you're gonna have to start taking page speed a lot more seriously in the near future. So in today's episode, we're going to be breaking down exactly what Core Web Vitals are and how you can fix them on your site. We're releasing this show this week because we've just launched our new Core Web Vitals blueprint. And in this course, we're gonna take a really, really slow site and get it to 100, which is the maximum score you can get on the PageSpeed Insights tool. Now, along the way, Gail's gonna show you step-by-step exactly how to do that, all the tools, all the settings, all the processes that he uses to get there. Plus, he's also mapped out every single error message you can get in the PageSpeed Insights tool, and he's mapped out a step-by-step solution for that. This course is available at the time this podcast goes live, but only for the next three days or so. Plus we have a special 75% discount offer going on during that time. So if you wanna grab it, this is absolutely the best time to do so. You can head on over to authorityhacker.com forward slash core web vitals, and you can get access today. This comes with a 30 day money back guarantee, and we've negotiated discounts to all of the tools we recommend in the course as well. This is the biggest and most complete resource on core web vitals available anywhere online. So go check it out right now. Welcome to the authority hacker podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. I'm Mark. I'm here today with my co-founder, Gail. And today we are going to be talking about Core Web Vitals. Now, as someone who's not very technical, uh, and to be honest, I leave most of the technical stuff uh, to, to Gail, Core Web Vitals are kind of intimidating for me. There's a lot of Uh, technical terms and terminology and things, parts of the website, which I've never even touched before, which have to be tweaked. Uh, So today I'm going to be interviewing Gail in order to get some plain English answers so someone like me can understand. But first...
1: I mean, plain English from a French person, right? Exactly. it's going to be complicated. You're basically a Um, native English speaker now. (laughs) You use English more than
0: French. Yeah. But wait, wait, wait. I have one question.
1: How's it going, Gail.
0: I've always wanted to do uh, that.
1: I, I don't know, how are we doing? We haven't done a podcast for a long time. So it's like, uh, is this like some undergoing Otari uh, hacker drama that people are like Yeah, it's, it's, a g- real, excited it's, about it's a real big story. No, it's not. So
0: there's three uh, things going on. We're a little bit burnt out. Uh, so we were doing some more guest interviews. You were on vacation for a bit uh, and we're preparing a few other bits and pieces of work and it all just kind of ended up there being like three interviews in a row. Uh,
1: but we're back yeah. now,
0: and we'll be back in a couple of weeks again with some more Mark and Gail action. So if you if you like our stuff, you got more of that to look forward to.
1: If you like the interviews, sorry guys. Um, but, we'll, um, we'll have, we've got yeah, some more guests gonna,
0: lined up uh, a little later in the year as well.
1: I've actually learned quite a bit of stuff on like that John Dijkstra interview, for example. So I kind of want to do more like selfishly uh, interviews, just because it allows me to like think about. Uh, building sites in different terms and people do things differently and so on. And so I definitely want to do more interviews. It's, it's really cool. Like you get to ask
0: people like their deepest, darkest secrets about their business and they just tell you it's it's great. It's like free uh, yeah.
1: mentoring almost, you know, I enjoy it. I know that some interviews definitely do a lot worse than others, but I think there's, it's nice to not just get our perspective, like as, as interesting as it may be. Um, to, to bring other people and to kind of like uh, clash the visions and, and get something out of it. So yeah, I, I do enjoy them. Actually, I don't think they're going away. I do think there will be more interviews this year overall than last year. Uh, but anyway, today we're talking about uh, Core Web Vitals. And uh, it, basically, I'm a guest. So yeah. you go ahead and you ask the questions, right? So I'm not going to ask you to tell the
0: audience <laughs> about yourself because no one cares. Let's just get straight into yeah. it. Hi, Core Web Vitals, why, why should I care about them? Like we've talked about site speed before and, you know, you've said it's kind of a thing, but don't focus too much on it. Why is Core Web Vitals different?
1: I mean, now it's, I mean, page speed officially was a ranking factor, at least on mobile, uh, according to Google. And now they're basically, they're kind of refining that into Core Web Vitals is what we're going to be looking at. And Core Web Vitals is not page speed. It's like how some parts of your site loads and some things load. And so there's there's three main metrics, right? There's largest content full pane, there is first input delay, and there's cumulative layout shift. I'm sure we're gonna go over this. But basically, uh, Google has this new thing called like page experience algorithm. And within the, this page experience algorithm, which you can find in your Webmaster's console, so you have reports for that in there, there is Core Web Vitals, which is what they are. Introducing in the ranking algorithm recently, and uh, it's kind of like most things Google has initially. I, I believe that you know it's like most people, a lot of people love PageSpeed and all that stuff because it's easy. You put URL, you get a score, and you just change something and you get another score, and then you kind of improve on that. Um, I still believe that if you haven't sorted content and links on your site, you should probably focus on that. Uh, I still believe that I would rather have a site that has content sorted out than PageSpeed sorted out, etc. So like we're not not we're releasing a new blueprint right now but i'm not going to like change my stance on this because we're releasing a new blueprint but we should also not be forbidden from talking about these topics that are becoming increasingly important because there is the core of the business that people need to take care about and we have done training for these other things in the system, side system Pro, etc. so it was an interesting thing to go over that and you know historically we've been focusing mostly on building sites out of convenience for building them and and making them easy to build and now i was like okay how how much of this are we gonna have to sacrifice so that we can also match all this new core vital stuff? And that was kind of like the challenge for me. It was quite interesting to go for that. So essentially
0: it's a sub part of Page speed yeah. it's just how they're defining I mean, certain aspects of it and they're incorporating exactly. that into the algorithm we don't know how significantly how big of a factor it's going to be would, would it be fair to say that in like in our niche i am where everyone's probably going to be doing this it's something you should yeah. probably be doing sooner rather than later whereas in less tech with less tech savvy web uh, webmasters or um site owners it's maybe something it's not quite so urgent
1: yeah, for all the people who listen and have a paintball site, for example, uh, they don't need to probably focus on this as much uh, because it's still, it's still the same shitty size ranking on top. So we definitely haven't um, like sparked that leash on fire. But yeah, in like more competitive niches, if you're in CBD, yeah. if you're in you know anything finance, if you are in hosting and like all the very very. Through Where thing, everyone is, else
0: is doing like really strong yeah. SEO and seeking that extra 1% advantage over all the competitors. Yeah. Basically.
1: So, I like to compare this to uh, when Google introduced HTTPS as a ranking factor. So it's like, you know, at the beginning, most people didn't have that. And then it was like, eh, you know, do it if you want. You know, most people didn't switch to HTTPS and their rankings shoot up. Um, but eventually now, if you don't have HTTPS, you're the outlier. And it's going to, like, you don't see sites without HTTPS rankings on top of Google now. So it's like, it's kind of like, well, it, 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 it is something that you need to do now if you want to show up on Google, at least if you're looking on the correlation level, it's a very, very high correlation to have HTTPS and ranking higher. And uh, I think even Brian Dean did some, did some case studies, we did as well actually, where uh, where we saw that the higher the ranking on Google, the more, the higher percentage of people have HTTPS. And, You know, I can't see Core Web Vitals being one of these things where it's like, you won't necessarily like jump up in rankings like crazy, but if you don't have it, you will not rank eventually uh, when everyone else has it. So it's kind of one of these things you're gonna have to adapt. My personal opinion is that Google is doing that uh, more selfishly than they're doing this for the user. Uh, Reason is if your site loads faster and just takes less data to load, it's going to cost them less to crawl the internet, which in the end saves them large electricity bills, which in the end also allows them to say they're a greener company, which is something that you know, like they have to do with all these like and you know government goals of reducing carbon emissions, etc. So it's an easy way to just pass on the bill to the website owners, and then eventually say they are a greener company and that overall they made the internet greener. But if you're a website owner, it doesn't matter really why Google does it. What matters is that eventually, yeah, it's going to be like HTTPS. And you're going to be googling stuff, and eventually everyone will pass Core Web Vitals on top of SERPs. If and if you don't pass it, it's much less likely you will show up higher. So that's kind of like that. Rather than a solution to your business, it's something that you're just going to have to do. Kind of like a new norm that you have to go through when there is uh, when these things happen well, in real life. What's business.
0: the time frame on this in terms of when's it becoming a ranking factor?
1: So. If you go on the Google Web Dev tool, like they actually have a little ribbon. Uh, I actually put that screenshot on the um, on the sales page for the cover vitals Bruin, that says it's rolling out all the way through August. So I think. From the limited information, either Google's gonna like the Google search liaison is gonna come into it and be like, "Hey, we're done, we're done rolling this out," or you can assume it's going to be done by the end of August. I don't know how they're rolling it out—if it's per language, per country, per niche, or whatever. It is currently rolling out, and it should be done sometime in August.
0: Uh, and I would say that even though we have a vested interest in sort of like selling people this course, like I don't want to kind of over overstate that it's not something that you have to go and do. Tomorrow, otherwise, by the end of August, you're gonna lose all your rankings. It's probably gonna be a much more longer term, gradual phase in.
1: And equally, if you don't, uh, when you solve it, it's not going to shoot up all your rankings if your content is shit and if you don't have links as well, right? So it's like, but it's something that you're gonna have to address. You're gonna have to address that in the next few months and you're gonna at least, you know, um, John Mueller came out in an interview, like on the Webmaster Office Hours type stuff. And he just said, basically, if you, like in Webmasters Console, there's this report where they put like uh, poor needs improvement and good, basically. And he said, you will have an effect on your ranking if you're in the poor bucket, right? But if you're still in a need improvement, you should not Like going from need improvement to good doesn't seem to yield effects based on what he said. Like it doesn't seem to improve your rankings. But being going from poor to uh, need improvement, actually, it's something that could affect your rankings according to Google themselves. Yeah. Um, So. So yeah, if, if you're in this full bucket, and a lot of people are actually, it's quite harsh core vitals. That, that's um, true, but it, the, the, it could affect your rankings. That's
0: true, but from what I've seen, at least from what, you, what you've been doing and what people have been beta testing our, our course on have been, been doing, getting from bad to okay or needs improvement is actually yeah, it's quite okay. easy. It's, it's getting like to 100 like the really top of the top uh, <laughs> score is, is quite the challenging. The hardest is going from
1: like 95 to yeah. 100. Like this one is like, it's like I did it in the blueprint because obviously people want to see me do it, etc. Um But let's be honest, uh, for you to get real-life results, so all you need to do is to get to the acceptable yeah. level, basically.
0: So so for the average site owner out there, this is actually, initially, probably a smaller and easier to implement thing than they, they, they probably, yeah, yeah. probably realize. OK,
1: we'll, we'll talk about some they of the- They could raise the bow over time, right?
0: I, I, I agree. That's probably likely that to happen. And we'll, we'll talk about some of the ways people can improve their score in, in just a sec. But um, Google has this PageSpeed Insights tester tool what exactly is that that showing us you mentioned cumulative layout shift and a few other uh, other things tell us about yeah, it yeah.
1: I mean it shows us a lot of stuff right it's like it shows you it shows you all these calls like you get this general score that everyone's just looking at and it just gives you a call from zero to 100 uh, 100 and zero being very rare but you're usually some somewhere in between. Uh, I, I mean, I'm not going to go through all the metrics because that's pretty long, but if you care about core vitals, you care about three metrics, you care about largest content paint, you uh, content or contentful, I, I can't remember. Contentful. What, first input delay and cumulative layout shift, right? And so, these are these are core vitals per Google's uh, thing. So, largest contentful paint, content paint is Google picking an element on your page and be like, okay, that's the thing that takes the most real estate above the fold when the page is loading. So I'm going to look at that one element and I'm going to look at how quickly it's showing up, right? That's basically what Google's doing. And so on all your pages, they can pick a different one and they also pick a different one based on whether it's a mobile or a desktop uh, rendering, which is why in the PageSpeed Insight, you will get different scores for mobile and desktop. While desktop is usually quite easy to improve, mobile is the more challenging one, which is why in a blueprint, we focus on mobile so that we take the most difficult one and usually desktop gets to 100. Um, so, largest contentful pane can be different things. It can be uh one pretty frequent. It can be your featured image, for example, also pretty frequent. Uh, on Notary Hacker, you know, we have the blog post with like, kind of like the background blue and the grid. It actually took the image of the grid <laughs> as the largest content contentful paint, And so, uh, it's going to look at how quickly this loads. But it's quite of a tricky one, because let's say it, take your, it takes your featured image and you like, oh, I tried to improve my page speed I did lazy loading on my images. Well, guess what happens? Your images load last, including your, feature, your featured image. Therefore, you get a poor uh, largest content for paint score because you lazy loaded your images. And so you need to, for example, when you get to optimize that, if you keep uh, an image as your largest content paint, you need to exclude that image from the lazy loading so that it loads, and sometimes even prefetch it, so it actually like starts loading before everything else so that you get uh, that you sold that score out so that's where for example web vital differs from like classic page speed optimization stuff and just installing your plugin and not thinking about it. Like you need to put a like to run this test and understand it and eventually optimize against that so that's largest content page. and first input delay is basically how quickly does the page react from the moment it starts loading to the moment where I can interact with it. So when I can click on a button or a link or something, and then when I click on the link, it actually does it. Because sometimes, you know, when the page is still loading, you click on the link and it still doesn't do it and you have to click again, etc. So it's really like, how long does that take? And usually that's benchmarked against like, how long does it take to load all the scripts, like JavaScript, et cetera, by the time the browser starts actually taking what you're doing with this. And then the interesting with first, in, the interesting with the first input delay is actually it's, you know, in the page Speed, page PageSpeed Insight tool, you have this field data and you have the lab data uh, that you're going to be looking at when you look at the result. The field data is actually an average of 28 days. So people, a lot of the time, they try to optimize their site, and they're like, oh, these, the metrics are not moving. It's not improving. Well, that's because that's the average of the last 28 days. So even if you improved in the last five minutes, It's not going to change that number because you need 28 days for this to change. Um, But what is interesting is you will get this first input delay in the field data, but you will not get it in the lab data, which is the real-time one. So when you retest your page and you change something, you will see these numbers change, right? So actually, the way you optimize first input delay using the lab data is you take a metric called total blocking time, which is kind of the same It's just like how long, it's not exactly the same, but kind of, basically. It's hard to explain exactly uh, it's just like how long it waits until it executes some, some of the scripts, et cetera. And it's a good enough metric to start optimizing against it, but eventually you kind of have to keep an eye when you fix your core web vitals. So you go back to your 28-day average and you actually get the actual metric people care about. Uh, so that is first input delay, and then cumulative layout shift is how unstable your page is when it loads. So you've been on that page before, like on CNN or something, and you like, you load an article and then you start wanting to click on a button or something on the menu and then you click and bam, there's an ad that loads and then you just oh end God, up clicking I, I on a Viagra ad.
0: I hate that so much. It's like, um, <laughs> it, it. It, it, it tends to be in the UK, like all these local newspapers have it and they'll, they'll have this yeah, yeah. really like, you click Baity story on social media, you click and you have to like scroll through all this shit to like find the actual information. And then like, you, you try and like click on the link there or play the video, and then
1: it's just like, boom, I'm clicking on an ad to, I don't know, buy some yeah, new yeah. Bed sheets or whatever, like what? Exactly, so that's cumulative layout shape. So Google's looking at how stable your page is while it's loading. And there's ways to like, you know, tell the browser to reserve the space for the ads, for example, so that it doesn't move around the text. It just puts a blank space, and then when well, it comes the time to load the ad, because you will load it uh, asynchronously so that it doesn't slow down the content from loading and you get a good page speed score. Uh, it doesn't create this crazy instability of your page when it's loading. So that's basically the three Core Web Vitals. It's the, the holy trinity, largest contentful paint, first input delay, cumulative layout shift. And that's slightly different from just like, what is my page speed score, et cetera. It's, it's, so you can have a high page speed score and still have some red metrics in Core Web Vitals.
0: Are traditional page speed scores like, what is it, time to first byte, and, mm-hmm. and these kind of things still a factor for this, or does it just not matter at all?
1: A little bit. Um, I mean, for example, largest content for Paint will rely on the time to first byte will influence largest content for Paint, for example. Because so that so is like a proxy metric up, for yeah. the other one. You have to, uh, it's not even a proxy metric, but like you, you, you can then, when you get more granular, when you're like, oh, I want to improve my largest uh, content for Paint, then you can go back to like, okay, well, if everything just started loading, like instead of taking like 300 milliseconds to start loading, it takes like 30 then all of my metrics just move back by like 270 and therefore I might get green in, on some of the other stuff. You know? Okay, um, makes sense. But like for example, cumulative layout shift is not really affected at all by time to first byte because really what matters is like how, and how shaky your page is. So it's like some is, some is not, you know?
0: Okay, so on some of our sites that you've actually been through and implemented all this stuff which we're about to talk about, we have like really, really high scores. Not so much though on Authority Hacker. Um,
1: Why is that? Uh, I mean, first of all, Authority Hacker is a complex site. It's like, I can't just like go and quick fix it. Like most of the sites I've done, I've done in like a day, right? So, you know, in the FAQ on the sales page, we're like a week, but like, it's quite generous. Like if someone's like uh, on it, I can do that in a day. I can do that in half a day, really, not even at this point. Um, But on the bigger site, obviously, you've got to be more careful. If you do some stupid stuff, you could be paying with your rankings, et cetera. So it does take more time to transition bigger sites. And um, Atari Hacker has a lot of things like sales pages, landing pages, et cetera, which uh, would need a decent degree of rebuild in terms of template um, to re-optimize these things. So we'll talk probably about themes, et cetera, a little bit later and page builders. but i would like i want to move auto hacker out of uh, elementor completely and that is the one step that will take a lot of time um but i don't really want to do the other things until i've done kind of like the the basics it's kind of like you know even in the blueprint i go on the most basic level so we start with like okay let's look at your hosting then let's look at your hosting setup, like then then uh, settings rather. Then let's look at your theme. Then let's look at your page builder. Then let's look at how you load your file. Like we kind of like yeah. go back up, and it's kind of the correct way of doing this because uh, it's like otherwise you you know like if you optimize let's say you optimize your your scripts the way your JavaScript loads etc. But then you change some stuff like you change your theme for example. Well, it's different files, so you kind of have to go back and do it again, right? Okay. And it's like um, so there's an order a lot that you lot more have sense
0: to do this in basically.
1: Yeah, I mean in order like, to not be wasteful with your time, it's better to do that. And so I'm just willing to uh, you know take a take a hit initially and then do it properly uh eventually It's kinda of the way we do things. And sure. so that's why we do that. Um I did attempt to make the Core Web Vitals sales page plus core vitals just because it was like I feel like it makes sense when you're when you're selling a course to actually like execute what you teach in the course at least on the sales page. I, ironically,
0: um, Google's own page speed tools, uh, insights, it doesn't pass Tester yeah. page doesn't pass it, so yeah. No,
1: kind of it doesn't. Uh, so yeah, I love Google's properties don't pass. Actually, I mean most of YouTube doesn't pass, etc. Like, um, so yeah. it's it's. Interesting to see that Google is forcing it on people, but uh, doesn't seem to have any consequence on, on their own companies. So does, uh, but yeah, it's but like on bigger sites it takes more time, right? We have uh, beta testers as well that are doing it on bigger sites, and and they they did get quite a lot of improvement, like. Uh, Josh took his site from like 20 something to 70 plus in a page speed to, uh, already by doing some of the stuff, but he couldn't, uh, because some of these bigger things take more time. Uh, yeah. He, he has thousands of articles, purposeful.
0: gets millions of traffic. So yeah, exactly. It's like, it's a bit more. We're complex. talking big,
1: big sites, you know, it, I, in, and it's always like that, right?
0: In, in the past, we've used uh nitro pack to improve the speed of, of authority. We still use com. it right now. Yeah. How does that? Does that help your Core Web Vitals at all, or is it something completely separate?
1: Yeah, it does. It, it helps your Core Web Vitals quite a bit. I mean, right now, like, the sales page is running on NitroPack, for example. It is doing quite a bit of work. Um, the problem with NitroPack is they do it based on your page views now, and it's freaking expensive. Um, so, it's worth it if you have more time than money. And you can't be bothered with dabbling with all that stuff. Like Nitropack is going is the 8020 basically. But just, just to inter- have,
0: interject there. if you do want a discount on Nitro Pack, if you use the coupon Authority hacker 10, uh, you can get a 10% discount.
1: Yeah, uh, it is expensive, but it, it does a lot of this stuff. The problem is there's not a lot of options to tweak it, et etc. And so you, you will probably not get to a perfect score. And uh, and uh, and yeah, it gets expensive. And the setup we have in the Blueprint is a lot, a lot cheaper. I would say like four times cheaper, or something like that. And you know, the more page views you have, the cheaper it gets because we use like much cheaper CDNs, et cetera. And so it, it's not really metered. It is metered by bandwidth a little bit, your CDN, but it's so cheap that it's like, it's no close. And so like the more traffic you have for the guys who have big traffic in HPO, et cetera, um, Nitropack is is an expensive one it works on a toy hacker because you know we're in a niche where it's like it's not a huge traffic niche It's it's a pretty profitable niche let be honest and so like it kind of makes economical sense here but if you have like a gardening site or something it's a bit more complicated because you tend to have a lot of traffic and make a lot less per visitor and so uh, you would pay a lot more for Nitropack and uh, and make less per visitor than we do so I am going to move actually Autory Hacker to that setup that I do in the blueprint it's just that again I need to do these basic things that uh, are quite time consuming first actually.
0: Okay. Uh so let's go into some of the non nitro pack uh, methods for yeah, yeah. for improving things. You said you mentioned start with with your hosting. Uh do, do you just fly yeah. move to a, a faster host? Like how do you know which one? Like what's the what's the process? What what do you need to look for here basically?
1: I mean most of the, I mean, it's kind of like the usual, you get what you pay for, um, but there's obviously better value for money here and there, and that's what we've done. We've, I've actually tried like a, quite a few hosting solutions before I settled for what we went for. And we went for Cloudways, um, Digital Ocean Premium, that's the one. It's a brand new one, actually. Um, what does we'll that talk mean, because Cloudways
0: and DigitalOcean are two companies? Like, wh- yeah. what's the relationship?
1: So Cloudways is the hosting provider. They give you a, an interface. Basically, they give you uh, you know everything you would expect from a host. You know, launch a new site and like create a staging and all that stuff. While uh, DigitalOcean is just a hard you know server provider. Right? They just have like server racks around the world, and they just f- focus on the hardware and on having connecting them to really fast internet and you do whatever you want with it. So, you know, if you use like like apps like Asana or Notion, et cetera, they probably run on things like, they probably run on Amazon, but it's kind of the same thing as DigitalOcean, you know? Um, so, and, and so, Cloudways resells you their services but with a proper interface so you don't have to go through the terminal on your computer and do things like update the server software. That is not WordPress, that's like the the lower level stuff etc. So it's like it does that for you. It's kind of like a serviced version. It does cost more but not that much more and it's just like it just avoids so much hassle that it's worth the trade-off here. Uh, and you get a support, for example. You, there's no support in DigitalOcean, right? I mean, if you have a problem with your WordPress site, it's like, figure it out. They will not assist you on WordPress issues, for example, whereas Cloudways will. Um, so yeah, that, that the, the reason we switch is mostly because, well, when you are on the cheap hosting, so I'm thinking like SiteGround, even WPX hosting, etc., which a lot of people like, you are sharing your server with a lot of people who install whatever plugin they want, and it uses a lot of resources these hosts you know have ways to like limit the how much resources your neighbors are going to be using but eventually you're just putting a lot of sites on one server and the more sites they put per server the more profit they make it's pretty simple right it's just like it's kind of like the the, the, the plane right it's like if they cram all the seats together well, yeah. they put more people they make more money and then if they if, if you go in uh, in business class or in in uh, premier then it's or like you, you get plans. a lot more legroom. Exactly, you get a lot more legroom, cetera. It's kind of the same analogy here. I know you hate my analogies, but I think this is okay. Um, so it's it's a better, so, better
0: one, maybe like taking the bus or having your own car. Like yeah,
1: pretty much. Okay, but like that's nice because you still get it's it's not really like having your own, own car because you still get the serv- you still get the the meals, etc. <laughs> um, because because you get the service from uh, Cloudways, you know. Okay. So you do get the, the how, service how layer, but you do get. It's okay. I mean, it's like we have, we're on Kinsta right now uh, on a lot of our sites. Kinsta is better for support. I'm not gonna yeah. They're uh, really, really, eat. really
0: good support. I'm super impressed with them.
1: I'm not I'm not gonna cut, cut and candy. But on Kinsta, you're still sharing servers, right? Um, and, uh, and I have moved some sites from Kinsta to Cloudways, and I have had better performances on Cloudways. Uh, even though Kinsta, you know, you go on their site and they're gonna tell you they're on Google Cloud, da, 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 da. In the end, it depends how many sites they put on the server. And even the best server, if you put a 1,000 a thousand sites on it, it's still going to be slow, right? So it's not slow, Kinstar, but it's slower than Cloudways. And if you are seeking for performance, I feel Cloudways is a is a better deal. It's also much cheaper uh, while being faster. So that's when I said, like, you can find good values for money, but you trade. In service, you get a little bit less service, but it's still you know on par with most hosts. It's just that Kingstar is a really good uh, service. And what kind of results can people
0: expect just from moving host?
1: From one of the sites I moved, I'm trying to remember. I think it went from like 50 to like 65 or 70, something like this. Like uh, on on if I give like the the mobile page speed score, it's just easier to just give a single number, right? It's like. Some stuff's better. Um, but overall yeah, it's like it, it did improve by like 15 20 points uh, moving from moving from side ground to moving from to moving to cloudways. Um, so that's pretty good actually. Um, it's not it's not everything and you need to know how to set it up as well. like you need to know how to set up the options, etc It is a bit techy um, for complete beginners, which is why I st- I'm still happy to recommend sideground for beginners it's just easier. And uh, and if people fuck up with their cache settings, et cetera, it can really be damaging uh, to your site. So it is a bit more techy, but it's still manageable for most people, I would say. So it's the balance you know, of, of value, of speed, and of uh, ease of use, basically.
0: Okay, uh, so a couple of weeks ago, you sent out an email to our subscribers, and I believe the, uh-huh. the title was something like, I'm done with Elementor. Um, was yeah. that t- Tell us about that, and was that related to Core Web Vitals?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's what, as, as I was doing the Core Web Vitals grouping. So it's like the, the one thing that kind of like made me bulge, I mean, a lot of people were like, ah, oh, page builders load a lot of shit on your page, it's extra, but I was like, man, it just makes it easier. If I, to, if I want to make an opt-in page or a landing page or sales page, it's just like, it's sometimes, it's quite difficult to do even on Gutenberg as it is, right? Um, but the game has changed quite a bit as GeneratePress has released the new GeneratePress 3.0, actually, which has kind of a team builder in there. So it's it's not as nice as a page builder to use, but the trade-off is you get very, very good performances while still having the capabilities close enough to what you used to have with Elemental team builder. So you gain a lot in performance and you lose yeah, a chunk but not not something manageable in in usability basically. Question. Um
0: is it something that I could make a page on?
1: I think it, you you'd struggle at first. Okay. Uh, <laughs> which is why I made videos. <laughs> so watch the videos, but it's um so the reason it's difficult is because you still, I mean, everyone who has used Gutenberg knows what it looks like, right? You have these little plus buttons and you add stuff etc it looks like that when you build a page, right? And it's like, it's not looking like the page you have. The width of the element is not what it's going to be looking like on the page, etc. So you need to mentally remember how wide the element is and how much stuff you're going to do. You're still going to have to like refresh and then go back to your preview and recheck, et cetera. So it's not as nice as it would be if you did this directly on a page builder that shows you the front end of your site and exactly how it's going to look like. And for a lot of people who have never built websites, I think it's, it's something that I mean, they could learn, but it's going to be a hard learn, and I think a lot of people are gonna give up. Um, from my experience, teaching a lot of beginners through the authority system, et cetera. And so, that's also why I don't change my recommendation for beginners, because as I said, it's better to sort out your content and links than uh, go for like perfect uh, performances. And, and I think that's what these other solutions allow you to do, it allows you to like not worry too much about the design and just get going with your content and links. And case in point, we have sites that are still in Elementor. We have a site that is still in Elementor we just sold for six figures following exactly that. And so it hasn't been changed. It ranks really well on Google, et cetera. Like it's not been killed uh, by any updates, et cetera. So it's like you can you can make good money and build great sites still with the solutions that we have in the authorized System, but we also need to acknowledge their limits and what it costs to build a site like that, which is performance uh, and it's it's something that once you get to a higher level, you need to start caring about. You know, there's
0: there's a trade-off with every single tool, hey, well, exactly. uh, every single tech stack you have. So essentially, what you're saying here is that when you go to generate blocks, uh, you're getting cleaner code, which is going to help your your site load faster and tick all these core web vitals boxes. Yeah. But that comes at the expense of it's a lot harder to actually use and build stuff if you're used to using yeah. Elementor. Or but the thing
1: similar. is, like, before there was things you could straight up not do if you didn't write, like, CSS, for example. And, like, you needed to go ahead and just write CSS to style stuff. Now with Generate Blocks and Joypress, you can do pages without writing code. Like, a good case study will be the sales page for this new Blueprint, for the Core Web Vitals uh, like? Blueprint. Because I... oh yeah, we're putting a link here. Uh, and the reason why is because i built to, to make this page pass core. files, I actually built it off Elementor. I have kicked out all the Elementor scripts from that page and I have built it on generate blocks, not generate press. Generate press, we're not really still running a theme. Um, and so, and that allowed me to just have a much, like to avoid, um, there's a narrow message in PageSpeed inside called avoid excessive DOM size, which is, you know, when this page builder do all these divs, etc., and there's like 50 layers of divs. On, on, your, on your HTML, and it's crazy, and Google's like, well, your code is super bloated. General Press, general press doesn't do that, General Block, sorry, and it prevents you from having this error message, which is one of the things that costs you some of this speed score uh, and the Vitals scores. So, uh, you can do all these things without writing HG, uh, HTML and CSS right now, which wasn't the case before the new version of all the stuff they released. So I'm at this point where I'm like, okay, I'm willing to make the jump personally. And I think the advanced users should be willing to do that because you can still do that within a clickable interface. But I do think it's it's a little rough on beginners and case in point as well, there's uh, someone in task that tried to switch and like, was like, oh my God, it's so great, so great, etc. And two weeks later someone's asking, oh, how's that going? And it's like, oh, I switched back to Elementor. Um, and that's because it's difficult still. Um, And that's why I made a bunch of videos showing this off as well in the new blueprint, actually, so that people uh, who want to make that jump can make that jump, but you don't have to make that jump to start a new site. I'm trying to be very clear. I'm I'm insisting on this because I know people are still going to not listen, but uh, yeah, it's like test size still rank as well.
0: Okay, so let's talk about plugins and how they affect your performance because you've been very, very uh harsh on our team insisting they don't install uh you know plugins to fix every every little little issue because we end up with too much blood i used
1: to do that yeah yeah i used to do a lot why why
0: does why does it make such a big impact on your on your
1: performance i mean it might not make a an impact yet but the thing is like you know because of the nature of wordpress that it's open source like anyone just releases a plugin And they're not necessarily like updated, maintained, et cetera, for the new versions of WordPress. Because you know, when there's new versions of WordPress, they use like new libraries, et cetera, and things like that. And so, for example, old plugins that are not updated, they still use an old version of like jQuery and stuff like that. And so, WordPress just has to go back and load that stuff because you're running these old plugins and so on. it's a bit uh, terrible, on top of being security issues as well. Like if you have a lot of plugins and they're not updated, they could be an opening to hack your site, which is why a lot of sites get hacked. all plugins are not bad though, and I think the, the vision of like, oh, uh, if you have too many plugins, your site's gonna be slow. It's not necessarily the case. It's just only if these plugins load a bunch of stuff on your pages that you don't need. A big known no offender being Contact Form 7, which is a contact form plugin a lot of people use on for sites on free, uh, for free, but it does load scripts on all your pages even if you don't have a contact form on like it, for example. Uh, it's pretty annoying. And so, what you need to do is you need to audit your site and see which plugins are the worst offenders. I try to aden- try to maybe replace them or not run with them, etc. so that you can save your resources and, and do achieve better co Web vitals and page speed, basically. So, uh, you, you need to be a bit smart about this, not just be like, oh, all plugins are bad, but rather which plugins are affecting uh, my score right now.
0: All right, so how, how do I do that?
1: Uh, funnily enough, you do that with a plugin. <laughs> so install a plugin to know which plugins are bad for you. Uh, there's a free plugin called Query Monitor that you can find on the WordPress repository or just install from your WordPress dashboard. And it just does, I mean, I do the whole lesson in the Blueprint, but essentially it gives you a bunch of reports when you load your page, you can see some stuff at the bottom. It tells you you know, which plugin loads this script, and then you're like, okay, am I using this plugin on this page, or is it just like, adding some some bloat basically. And then once you find the worst offenders, again, you try to either find an alternative uh, plugin or you just get rid of it, or you just accept that it costs you uh, some speed because you really like this plugin or you really don't want to get rid of that function, which is something that's going to happen as well. Uh, People who hunt perfect page speed at the expense of features on their site, uh, I don't think they're the smartest people optimizing their site. It's all about your site doing what it needs to do so you can make money while getting the best page speed call, not about just cutting everything from your site so that you get a high page speed call. That's not the way, basically.
0: I've heard you also mention about optimizing code, specifically CSS and JavaScript. Now, I have a basic understanding of what CSS is, um, some kind of like styling element that you're telling the site yeah. what color or what size to make your H1 so that when you put the HTML in, uh, it pulls on that to decide how to display it. it. Yeah. I think that's what it is. JavaScript yeah. on the other hand It gets a I bit don't... more
1: complicated, but yeah.
0: JavaScript <laughs> on the other hand, I don't have a clue. What is it? How does this affect our performance?
1: JavaScript is like the programming of your site, right? So that Uh, HTML is not programming, it's a markup language, which means, you know, like between a paragraph, you just put these little pieces, and tells your browser, ta-da, this is a paragraph, or like h1 around h1, ta-da, this is an h1, right? So it doesn't program it, there's no logic, right? There's no thinking, it's just like telling you what things are. Uh, JavaScript is the thinking, the logic, the, the if, this, then, that, of your website, so it's like uh, it, it does a lot of things. Like, it, like for example, it could just be loading some files depending on what you need on the page, so it doesn't load everything all the time. It, it, you know, if this element is on the page, then do this. If it's not, then do that, etc. So that's what JavaScript is, right? But um, these files are usually some of the biggest on your site, with your images. So these are these are the ones you're probably looking at when you're looking at your loading speed, quite a lot, and. You know, some of the biggest offenders here are ads, actually. Ads load a lot, a lot of JavaScript. And um, there's many ways to optimize that. I mean, this is like the minifying, but that's, a, I mean, that's not much. And most free services do that in plugins. They just remove the space, the comments, etc., And they just, like, you know, make it a big block of unreadable text for you. But for the machine, it takes a little bit less space. Doesn't save that much, but it's still useful. One thing that's interesting with um, uh, JavaScript and CSS is that Historically, when you were reading about page speed improvement, people would be like, oh, it's much better if you take all your JavaScript and make it in one file, you know, and uh, or, like, all your CSS and make it in one file so that you need to connect only once to one file instead of having to do many of them if you need And, actually, that has changed because there is uh, something called HTTP2, that's basically the new version of HTTP, that now doesn't really slow down your site if you have multiple of these connections. It kind of makes more sense to just load the things you need in the order that you need rather than try to load everything at once, it actually makes your site faster. So most PageSpeed plugins will have this option to like, try to put these files together. So not only do these things create bugs, but if you have a pretty good hosting that most good hostings now have HTTP2, if you use something like Cloudflare, you can also trigger that. You uh, you actually are better off not taking that option. So it's a bit of a trap in PageSpeed actually. Um, so you can do that. Uh, the other thing that you can do with CSS is that, uh, that is really quite useful is critical CSS, which means taking the CSS of elements above the fold on your page and put it inside the HTML directly. So you can write CSS in HTML um, instead of loading it from an external file. But what is good is if you take only the part that is above the folder and put that, then essentially your above the fold part, which is your largest content for paint, is going to load Faster because it's not going to require to load an external file, and then the rest can load from an external file. Uh, and so, critical CSS is quite powerful. There's a service that costs 10 bucks a month normally that does it called criticalcss.com. But uh, plugins like WP Rocket also do it for you, and they do it pretty well. I haven't run into any issues, and that saves. Uh, that is one of the like real optimizations, not like minifying, etc. Um, for JavaScript, there's like a lot of like you can basically lazy load it. You can tell it to load after your HTML and CSS have loaded, which means like you see the content on your page then things like ads and more interactive elements load after. And usually Google, you know, like excludes this from the measuring. It's a bit more complicated than that, but I'm simplifying, right? It pushes it away. If you push it away, they will not, this will not affect your page speed as much. And this will give you much better scores basically. And so you have uh, a bunch of ways to optimize these files. And we talk a lot about it in a blueprint basically, but it's uh, you can preload some of the files as well. So if you have stuff above the fold that really needs to load, you can preload it before everything else. You can it, do is priority Is this all
0: basically. with WP Rocket by the way, or how does that fit in?
1: Uh, there is a bit of that with your CDN as well, but okay. uh, also the WP Rocket. So what, what does WP Rocket do? WP Rocket is, Historically, a caching plugin, but they've done a pretty good job at um, kind of like pivoting towards all these metrics that Google cares about, like uh, Core Vitals, etc. So they, they help you solve quite a few of the lingering issues that you have once you have done your you know the core level of like you know your theme, your webs, your hosting, etc. Optimization. They help you with a lot of that stuff. You need to set it up properly. It's not always super obvious. But when you do, they do a pretty good job, basically. And they help you with a lot of this kind of stuff together with like some settings on your CDN you're able to get. That's like a lot of the secret on like how to get uh, really high page speed calls and it vitals. So when it comes to CDN here, here
0: is my uh, understanding of what it is this may be completely wrong, but the time it takes a user to fetch d- uh, details of your website, images, whatever off of your server. If you're in London, they're in Sydney, that that takes a long time versus uh, if your server is in Melbourne and they're in Sydney, it's a much shorter distance. So CDN spreads the data around the world in different data centers in order for them to have a shorter access time. Is that right?
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's not really, (laughs) I mean, kind of, but um, it's like, first of all, Historically, CDNs, there's, there's multiple setups. There's like the reverse proxy, there's the traditional CDN, et cetera. Um, like a traditional CDN would be you change in your HTML the URL of your images to point to another server, actually. So in this case, you know, Cloudflare or PonyCDN, whatever. Cloudflare is a reverse proxy, actually, so usually not. Um, so, uh, but in general, what CDNs do is they make a copy of your largest files to a server that is closer to your visitor physically than your initial server was. So if my server's in New York, someone's tra- trying to load my site in Melbourne, it's very likely the Sydney company will have a server either in Sydney or in Singapore, and then that big image file, for example, can load just from Singapore, which, because physical distance does matter on the internet. It, it's, you know, the is pretty fucking good, but if you add physical distance, if you play any games, you know with the ping, right? Um, it, it, it does matter, and so it will influence your page speed, and because of the way Google is measuring uh, Core Web vitals, it's quite important. Because you know this 28-day average number I told you? It's based on Chrome data, which means that uh, you, if you get visitors from all around the world, even if you have really, really good metrics in the US, but you get a bunch of visits from India or whatever, it's going to you know, plummet your score. And that's why a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know. It worked quite well in the lab, but it doesn't work now. It's because you actually need to optimize for where your visitors are. And that's where CDNs can be quite good help with that.
0: How much does it really improve your your
1: performance score, though? It depends a lot of where you started from, right? Because, as I said, CDNs serve uh, serve your files from from their server. Some of the some of your files, and some of those files go like the HTML is really fetched directly from the, your actual server because it's such a small file. Um, it's just text. And so, if you had a shitty hosting, uh, if you had a really really cheap hosting or if you're on an overcrowded server and then you you have a really good CDN, then it's very likely that their server is much more performant than your hosting. Therefore, you get a massive jump. Whereas, if you have a really, really good hosting and you buy a shit CDN, <laughs> you might actually get lower performances, right? So, it's like, um, it really depends where you start from. But um, a lot of CDN companies are now over- like outperforming hosting companies in terms of uh, in terms of uh, speed of uh, speed of transferring data, et cetera. Um, most of the performance focused on something about Bunny, I really like Bunny CDN, uh, Cloudflare as well. I use Cloudflare PO as well. Um, and I talk about both in the Blueprint. Uh, they use uh, these NVMe SSDs, which are like the new generation of SSDs, which uh, tends to you know retrieve your file faster on the hard drive, which then it means it starts transferring faster, which means in the end, you're your score is better basically. Um, And so while most hosting companies still run on first-generation SSDs, so you're you're talking like these NVMe SSDs, they transfer data at like 3000 megabits per second and a first-gen SSD will transfer at 300 megabits per second. So you're talking 10 times faster transfer speed. Doesn't mean you get 10 times better page speed score because it's just one element retrieving the file of the whole uh, transaction that it needs to be transferred through the internet. It's the same internet, you know, so it doesn't this doesn't compress by having a, a better hard drive. Uh, and it then is the ISP of the people. So it, it helps a bit. But um, yeah, overall CDNs it's some if you get international traffic you kind of have to do it. If you are like you know if you're like a pizza shop in New York and you have a hosting company in New York, meh, it's like I don't think you need a CDN. You might, you, or you just put the free version of Cloudflare and it's good enough, you know? Um, but most people who listen do have international sites that like do reviews and stuff. And in that case, you probably want to look at a CDN.
0: Okay. Uh, so when it comes to site speed, I've heard a lot of people complain that their ad setup, AdThrive or, or Mediavine or whatever mm-hmm. has a big impact on it. Why is this? And how can people address this with, with core, core Web vitals in mind without sacrificing RPM?
1: Uh, and let's just talk about what people actually use. So people who listen to this podcast, they use Ezoic, they use AdShrive, they use Mediavine, right? They use one of these three, most likely. Um, but most of these, you know, meta ad networks work the same. Uh, you know, the way they get you these much higher RPMs than you would get from AdSense is that they put a lot of networks in competition with each other, right? So they just like, they, they, there's like 20, 30, 50 bidders on your uh, impressions. And whichever bids the highest at when the page loads is the one that's loaded. But for this to happen, they actually need to prepare to load any of these, which means they might have 50 JavaScript files of 50 networks loading on your website uh, so that they can load the one that actually is needed when the page loads. And so they do add a lot, a lot of JavaScript files on your site. Um, the, and they also, they used to be big offenders of the uh, cumulative layout shifting where, you know, like the ad chain like, uh, is not appearing and then it loads last and it just expands and just like you click on the ad instead of clicking at the button. So they used to really mess up with general page speed and cumulative layout shift. Uh, cumulative layout shift is actually a pretty simple fix that the, most networks have done now, which is, they need to give the height and the width of the ad that they're about to load on the page so that it reserves that space in white and it doesn't move the page. So, now it's pretty easy to get green cumulative layout shift. If You uh, you need to go in the options of these ad uh, networks. So, i show some of them in the, in the Blueprint as well. And if you trigger that, then usually you can solve that. Then, in terms of the JavaScript, what you need to do is you need to uh, defer them. You need to delay them to the end of uh, loading. It's a bit of a tricky one, and I would not go too fast on that because if you defer them too much, or like some, depending on how they're set up, sometimes your page per, your pay per page view, but like let's say because you have so many, it takes like 15 seconds to do everything. It's really, it happens, right? Um, if someone stays less than 15 seconds on your page, you literally are not going to be counting as having a page view and you will not get paid. So you you could tank your earnings by doing this wrong, which is why I tend to do it slowly and kind of like, you know, you, you run the page speed inside and you get like that list of all these JavaScript files they load and I tend to like add them slowly and kind of like, I'm like, okay, let me add these three and then let's look at my earnings tomorrow, see if I tanked or not and kind of like over time, add them until I have went through the whole list. Uh, it is a slow process if you want to be safe with your earnings, so you need to be a little careful. Uh, you could try to just throw everything and see what happens, but because it's not like, a, you know, you don't need to solve Core Web Vitals in in this minute, then I'm willing to just take my time and, and actually uh, do it slowly a little bit every day, basically.
0: Okay, so is there anything else that people need to know about Core Web Vitals before we wrap up then?
1: Uh, I think we touched on a lot of the points that we talk about in a Blueprint. Obviously, I actually do it in real life in a Blueprint to show how every settings and everything, so it's a little bit more in-depth, definitely. But um, now after that, it really depends on people's setup and depends on people's willingness to... I think design is an important one that I wanted to talk about as well, right? So you remember when I talked about Largest Contentful Paint, when I was like, oh, it can be an H1 or it can be an image or it can be a background or something like that. And I also said that mobile is quite hard to optimize like it's a quite harsh test and very often yeah we didn't talk about images by the way we should talk about images um but um very often it's easier to change your layout of your page so that for example your largest content for paint is a text element rather than an image because just text loads faster and you just need to preload your fonts usually to get uh, a good score and uh, so, I recommend, and a lot of big sites do that. Like, if you check all the dot .dash sites, et cetera, they do that a lot. For example, if if your featured image is picked up to be the largest Contentful Paint, make it a bit smaller, make your H1 a bit bigger, or even just remove it from mobile, for example, just so that you get that, you know, Google tells you in a PageSpeed Insight, it's like, this is the largest Contentful Paint that we're looking at. Uh, like, it's worth tweaking your layout very often on mobile to get better scores, and that's one thing that um, yeah, people try to like tweak your caching, their caching plugin, etc. Sometimes it's, it's design as well. Like you design for performance too. You don't just like tick some boxes, you know. So what do we need to know about images then? Uh, okay, image optimization is an interesting one because it has gone through a long process as well. Where uh, I mean, before people would just like drag and drop any image on there, uh, maybe optimize on Photoshop or something. Like try to reduce the quality on Photoshop. Then we've had plugins, um, things like uh, EWWW and Smash It, a Pixel, Shop Pixel, uh, and a, b- a bunch of other that would on WordPress. You know, you would upload your image on WordPress. It would just like connect to the API and then re-upload the image on WordPress that has been, you know, reduced by like seventy percent or something. It would be the same size, right? So if I upload like a five thousand pixel wide image, it's still going to give me a compressed five thousand pixel wide image. And the thing is, like. The internet exists on a lot of screen sizes these days, right, it's like, I'm looking at you, I have a big 4K screen in front of me, I need big images when I load uh, pages, otherwise it's gonna look blurry, but when I actually don't have a very big phone, uh, so when I'm on that phone, I need probably a 700 pixel wide image, something like this, Uh, it's probably good enough. And so, the way it works now is it works together with CDNs uh, sometimes as a different service, sometimes as part of your CDN service. And they serve, they're able to actually look at the size of the screen that's loading the page because that's some data, metadata that you can get. And then on the fly, let's say I had that 5,000 pixel wide image. They're like, oh, this phone only needs a 700 pixel pixel wide image. What it does is not only, it, it just goes and takes that 5,000 pixel and just resizes it to 700 pixel and then it optimizes it and then it loads it on the page, like on the fly for people who are loading the page right now. And what it does, it gives you a much smaller file because obviously from 5,000 to 700 pixel, it's going to be a much, much, much smaller file. And so you're able to maximize your page speed on every device regardless of the screen size. And so like it's a it's a quite important one because as I said JavaScript and images are pretty much the biggest files you're loading on a classic WordPress page basically. So that's uh, I go over that as well quite a bit. Uh, in there and then there's like image formats as well, so like you know JPEG and PNG and then uh, now people use WebP and then some new formats actually that are coming out from Google that uh, you want to optimize for, but it's not so simple because you can't upload WebP images on WordPress. It's not compatible. <laughs> so you need your external service to do it for, etc. So it's a, bit, it's a bit of a hassle, but a lot of services uh, do a pretty good job for you. Um, a lot of them are buggy too. Like um, I did use short pixel adaptive images, for example. My intention was to do the blueprint with them. And then I got so many bugs because, you know, I said that you don't want to lazy load your images uh, when they're in this uh, largest contentful pane because uh, it's going to uh, it's going to affect your first input delay basically and so uh, and literally short pixelated images would not I would I would literally tag it like don't lazy load etc I would not do it it would do it it would still lazy load it would still kill my scores for example and so like there's several services that don't do what's on the tin and that's why I tested a bunch of them and. Uh, And uh, yeah, and actually I'm using bunny optimizer actually uh, together with the CDN, it works pretty well.
0: Okay, great. So uh, anything else you wanna talk about or shall I tell everyone about this lovely offer which we have available right now? Tell them. So the Core Web Vitals Blueprint, it's available now. We just released it yesterday, in fact. Uh, And we have a special 75% launch discount. So that's only available for the next three days until uh, Thursday evening at midnight. Uh, so if you wanna grab that, um, get it now, basically, because this is your last chance. And uh, as usual, it comes with free lifetime updates. It comes with a 30-day money back guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, um, or you can't get results from it, then we'll give you your money back, no no hassle. Um, what else do we have in there as well? Oh yeah, so we've actually, reached out to all of the tool companies which we recommend in the course and we've negotiated exclusive discounts so you can actually save quite a bit of money if you use these tools just by following the discount links in in, in the course as well. Um, so you can kind of like make quite a lot of your money back um, that way anyways. especially if you
1: use multiple sites Yeah, if you've yeah. on multiple sites. Yeah, Uh, People who have agencies, et cetera, yeah, I think it's quite useful.
0: Some of our Authority Hacker Pro members have been helping us beta test this out, and they've gotten some pretty good results as well. Uh, I saw one site go from a 53 to a 99 score, and another go from a 23 to a a 97 score. And these, these guys implemented it in like two or three days, it seemed. Um, yeah. So it, it's not; it doesn't have to be a huge piece of work to to solve Core Web Vitals. Uh, if you follow the bl- blueprint, um, you can you can get it done quite fast. Um, you know, especially if you have relatively simple affiliate sites. Obviously, more complex sites may may have more considerations to to factor in there. Uh, one other thing which Gail's done is he's gone through and he's mapped out every single error message, every single warning in the PageSpeed Insights tool. And he's provided a solution for how you can solve that to improve your improve your score to make that that go away. Um, so whatever your tech setup, whatever plugins, whatever hosting, whatever however your site is currently built, uh, all you need to do is figure out what those those are, follow the instructions, and you know you'll yeah. solve it.
1: I wanted people to not have to watch every video. I, was like, I can I can see how my voice could be annoying to them. So uh, I just decided to, to save them the pain and let them just go directly to what they want to sell right now. And, uh, and everyone's happy, basically.
0: And while this can all seem quite technical, even to me still, you've created this blueprint so that site owners who are not developers and who, who don't really understand CSS from PHP, from CDN, from all this this kind of stuff can still... Follow along, implement it, and, yeah. and get a good score. Basically,
1: I, I know a lot of people teach page speed, but like, it's not very practical in the sense that they they're willing to sacrifice parts of their site they probably shouldn't. That will cost them money. Like, I'm not gonna tell you to turn off ads because it costs you some page speed. No, just make the money, and then just like um, you know, spend some of that money you made into improving your page speed. And like, let me show you exactly what to do. Um, I I that's why I did a case study site as well, right? It's like what you didn't say is that this blueprint. At least like a bit more than half of it is me taking a site of ours that was already in the page score, page pit score, and take it all the way to pretty much perfect 100, and showing exactly each setting, each click, everything. And so, if you have seen the AutoSite system or anything in HPro, it's very much in that same vein. It's very easy to follow, and even if you don't know how to use a console or something you can use that it's all clicks and there's no code to write basically that's that was the goal
0: okay so we know that this is going to be a ranking factor Uh, and if you're in a competitive niche or if you're in the im niche this is going to be pretty essential i think to at least not have a bad score in Um, and you know you may want to use this to to get a leg up on your your competition so go check out that blueprint now 75 percent discount for the next three days We'll put a link in the description of the video, or you can go to authorityhacker.com forward slash Core Web Vitals and you can check it out there. Uh, if you have questions about Core Web Vitals uh, from, from this, this show, leave a comment on the YouTube post uh, that goes along with this video, and Gail will be answering questions for the next week or so um, in there too. More than usual, yeah. We'll be back in another couple of weeks with another episode from Gail and myself. Uh, So thanks for listening and we'll see you then.